Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. So last week, uh, we, we started unfolding um, what was probably the, or, or I guess without question, the, uh, the hardest two-week interval of, of my life and uh, of, of our life. Um, Tiffany and I, we celebrated our anniversary last weekend, and um, the, we've now been together in our life more than we've been apart. Um, and at some point, you reach that when you're old and been married a long time. I mean, I'm old, I guess. She's not. She's really young, really young, super Super young, uh, but not so young that it was creepy when we got married, not like, <laughs> not in that respect, but um, so through this, through this interval, through this block of time, um, God really showed us some things, and um, just to, to kind of catch you up. Um, on what happened in case you don't know the story, and I'm sorry if you've heard it 50 times. I, I don't know that I've been able to completely tell the story without getting teary-eyed, um, and, and I'm, I'm not a crier at all, um, but there are certain things that just kind of hit me, and, and it's usually revolving around the goodness of God. And um, so back in January... Um, Tiffany was having some stomach issues and stuff, and, and um, not anything like super major or anything like that. And, and um, so we did some intolerance testing and stuff like that, thinking maybe we need to stay away from this food or that food. Just, you know, some, some diet-based things. And um, every time we thought we had a handle on it, like, hey, if I just don't eat this, then I'm fine, then there would be something else. And it got to where... Nothing was helping, and whenever um, she she went early on, and and we didn't really talk about this last week, and I don't think we've talked about it a whole lot, but um, early on in a just kind of a routine doctor's appointment, and they did some blood work. Um, her white cells, um, white blood cells, were up, which is um, which is a sign that um, there may be cancer in the body. Now, it's not the only sign, and there's a lot of reasons. And, and it wasn't necessarily alarming because this wasn't a history thing. This wasn't a... So it was kind of dismissed. It could have been some medication she was on. The doctor kind of dismissed it, right? And, uh, and we did too. I mean, it wasn't even a thought. Um, well, 
As this thing progressed, the, the doctor thought that there was uh, maybe some problems with her gallbladder or something like that. And so um, they, they sent her for an ultrasound to check that out. Well, the ultrasound um, came back and showed that she had some spots, some, some formations of some sort on her liver. And um, they wanted to do some further testing. Okay, you know, that again, that can be a number of things, right? Um, so they sent her for a, a CT scan. And um, that, that CT scan was, was performed, and then as we were waiting on the results of that CT scan, um, we come into the, the point of the story where um, we're, we're sitting in church, and it's Father's Day, and um, Pastor Daniel gets up and begins to speak a word from God. And I showed it last week, and I'm not going to show it this week, but um, essentially what he said was there are a few people that are here t today or hearing me online or, or whatever within the sound of my voice that have some sort of growths or cancerous growths. And what I'm seeing is that as you begin to give praise to God that those growths are coming out of you and going on to Jesus. And whenever he begins speaking that, I was playing worship, and, and I stepped back because when he began speaking that, I knew that at least one of those individuals was Tiffany, that this was us. As we're talking about it later, she knew that it was us, and she was worshiping sitting right over there, standing right over there. My dad, Pastor Daniel, knew that it was us as he was giving that word. And so Tiffany told me, she said, I don't know what this test is going to show, but we have to remember that the test was before the word from God. And so we go into uh, to the doctor on, on that morning, and they do all the preliminary stuff, and, and we sit down, and I'm kind of I'm kind of slow sometimes, and um, and I said, "Do you need me to go with you?" And I don't know why I even asked that dumb question, but um, and then in true Tiffany fashion, she said, "If you want to, but you don't have to." Yeah, so that means you need to go, and um, but I don't even know why I asked that question. We're stupid sometimes, guys. I'm sorry. Um, so anyway. It always happens early on, right? I say something, that's going to be, you know what my pastor said today? It really touched and changed my life. He said, guys are stupid sometimes. And I'm telling you what, I can testify to that. So we go and we're sitting there and, and the doctor comes in and she says, um, this is not the news that I, I wanted to tell you today. But I'm just going to read it just straight as it was given to me. And she said that there were formations, tumors, that were not only in, in the liver as we thought, but they had originated in the colon. They had spread to the liver, which now it's a whole different ballgame, right? But not only had they spread to the liver, they had also spread to the lungs. And they believed that those were cancerous. When you hear those words, 
it changes your perspective. When you hear those words, it's like a, a gut punch. And as the doctor walked out of the room and Tiffany leaned her head back and she's crying and I don't remember what I did. I grabbed your hand or put my arm around you or something. And I said, but we need to remember that we've already gotten the report. We've already gotten the report from God. We got it on, on day one, which was three days before the doctor's appointment. We got the report. Really, we got the report 2,000 years ago when Jesus said it is finished. That's when we got the report. When I said, Jesus, come and be the Lord of my life, then all of those reports that he had given became my reports. And so we went home and we began to, begin to process and we began to, to, to think about and talk about and, and how do we deal with this and what's coming up and, and there's so much uncertainty and I just don't know and I want to take care of it and I wanna, I, I'm a fixer. I want to fix things. That's what I do. There's no challenge that I can't fix. That's how I feel. There's nothing that comes that's too big. I roll with the punches. I get bad news on a daily basis. I do a lot of high-pressure stuff. That's what I do in my life. There's nothing that rattles me. Tiffany's told her story, and if you haven't seen the video, then go and see it. It's on the Word of Life Facebook page. It's on our Vimeo page. Um, I don't know if we reshared it last week, but we probably need to reshare it so that it's easy to find. But she gave a lot of her perspective, and I've just kind of shut up, which is really hard for me. But I told her, I said, you're going to take 30 minutes in a video to do yours, and I'm going to take three hours in messages and talk about mine. Because I just talk a lot. But I'm here to tell you that it was so difficult for me because I just wanted to fix it. And there was nothing that I could do. Not one single thing that I could control. And once I, I began to come to grips, and I wouldn't say this was a long process, but as I began to come to grips with the fact that I can't control this, I, it's going to have to be bigger than me, it's going to have to be God that does this, then that's where I shifted my attention. How do I keep myself in what Christ has done. How do we keep ourselves in what Christ has done? How do we keep ourselves walking in that? I don't need to beg for healing. I don't need to try and convince God that because we've done this and we've done that and all of these things, I don't need to do that. What do I need to do? I need to rest, which is easier said than done. And so we begin to battle. Today we're going to talk about the battle, but I'm going to tell you how we got there. So we go, and, and they said originally we want you to go for a PET scan, and, and we need to get that done ASAP. And so then they, they called to set it up, and it was going to be a month before they could get us in for a PET scan. 
So Tiffany started calling around. I said, we'll go wherever we have to go. I mean, whatever we have to do. Another little wrench in this, in this um, plan or this story is that we are we're self-employed. Um, and even employment through the church is considered self-employment. So if you know anything about that, you know that we don't qualify for a group health care plan. So if you work for the schools, you work for WIP or something like that, you have a, a great insurance because you qualify for a good health care plan, a group health care plan. Even a lot of oil field companies or whatever it is, right? So for us, we have an insurance co-op. We pay everything out of pocket up front, and it's called Christian Healthcare Ministries, and I don't mind promoting them because they are incredible. But it's called Christian Healthcare Ministries, and, and, and we pay everything out of pocket, and then it comes back to us. It takes three months or so to come back. And so my thought is, man, I know that we get most of this back, but how do we pay for all this stuff up front? You know, so far, it's been just li like doctor visits and, you know, little things. Even um, uh, Tiffany had carpal tunnel surgery at the end of last year. And, but even with that, I mean, that's, it, it was manageable, right? But now it's going to start coming fast. How is this going to work? We start calling about the PET scan, and they're talking about, like, it's going to be $15,000. It's going to be $20,000. We require payment up front. It's going to be, oh, my gosh, how do we do all of this, Right? Do we need to go get a loan? Do we, those are some of the things that we talked about. Just real life nuts and bolts things. How do we handle this stuff? So we find a place, and I believe that we were led by the Lord after we had called and called and called and called. We find a place in Las Cruces that'll do the PET scan for how much was it? Fifteen hundred, fourteen hundred dollars. And so we go, right? <laughs> and so we go and we get in. They were like, hey, we can get you in Friday. Yes. Yeah, we'll be there. So this is just, you know, two or three days in. And, and um, we go to Las Cruces. And, and during that time, I'm telling you what, the longest, that's a long drive anyway, right? I mean, once you get past the Guadalupes, like in the first hour, there's nothing. That's a long drive, and we're driving through there, and it's just, it, it's silent. And the kids are with us, and we hadn't talked to the kids yet because we didn't know anything, and we didn't want to, we didn't have any answers either. And it's this battle about every 10 minutes in my mind. And I know that Tiffany is going through the same thing, and she talks about, about what she was going through on that drive, the longest drive of my entire life. As I'm thinking, so how much time do we have? If it's already spread to two other locations, how much time do we have? Are they going to say we have six months? Are we going to make it till Christmas? Are we going to spend Christmas in a, in a hospital room? What about our anniversary that's in a couple weeks? How are we going to spend that? Started getting angry. There's so many things that I want to do, and I'm not done yet. 
There's so many places we need to go. There's so many things, and I'm not finished. And I can't do this. The battle was here. We talked last week about how we're three dimensions as an individual, as a human being. We're three dimensions. We have a spirit that has been recreated in the image of God, and we have a flesh that deals with all this crap that's all around us all the time. So how do we do it? We've got a battle right here. And the mechanism for getting the inside out is by yielding your tongue to God. And I believe that that's through baptism with the Holy Spirit and the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And there's a lot of weird stuff in the church that goes on when you start talking about speaking with other tongues, but we are a spirit-filled church, and I'm here to tell you that there's nothing weird if you operate according to what the Bible says. And I'm not ashamed to say that, and I'm not calling anybody out, but I'm saying that there's a lot of places that do it weird. And it's freaky, and it's scary, and it's uncomfortable. But that's not the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that he is a comforter, and there should always be comfort. The Scripture tells us that when we pray in an unknown tongue that our spirit prays. And it says that we build ourselves up and we strengthen ourselves. It also says that we give thanks well when we pray in an unknown tongue. And so when I get to the point in my life that my flesh is just really a mess and I just cannot deal, I need to dig deep. I've got a friend that always said, dig deep and find another gear. What's my other gear? It's God. Because I don't have any more gears. And so I dig deep and what do I find? I find my spirit on the inside of me that begins to pray through me. And I begin to build myself up, and my mind becomes at ease. I believe it's absolutely vital for any Christian to walk in the baptism with the Holy Spirit. It's an essential tool in this world that we live in. It's an essential tool in crisis mode. It's an essential tool for our everyday life. And so as we're driving and I begin to, to, to pray in other tongues and, and the Spirit of God, I'm going to find this note. The Spirit of God began to speak to me. And then Tiffany put on a song. She said, you need to listen to this song because what I didn't know as I'm driving in silence, what I didn't know is that she was battling and that God had given a song that just came up on the playlist. Coincidentally, no. Came up on the playlist that was the words that we needed to hear. And so as she's listened to it, then she said, hey, you need to listen to this. And that's kind of where our conversation comes together. But let me open up this note because I want to show you guys something. What God was beginning to speak to us at that time. I'm not going to be able to find it, I guarantee you, because you're waiting. You know how that is, right? Hold on, hold on. I'm going to get it. I'm going to find it. Hold on. Hold on. I've got it right here. 
I know I've got it. I think I can search. Got it. On day four, God gave me the scripture in Isaiah that we read last week saying, who has believed our report? On day five, he gave me a scripture that we're going to break apart in very much detail here in a little bit in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 about taking every thought captive. And then as we're driving to El Paso on day six, he gave me, I lift my eyes to the heavens. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And I didn't write down the reference, I'm sorry. I lift my eyes to the heavens. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. My help doesn't come from this natural perspective. My help comes from the Lord. What can I control in this situation? I can't control what's going on in the body. I can't control that. But how do I fix it? I do everything I can to understand on the deepest level that I can that my help comes from the Lord. So that's what we did. Over the next days and, and, and couple of weeks, we spent every day understanding on a deeper level that our help comes from the Lord. We spent every day understanding on a deeper level his love that he has for us. We spent every day trying to understand on a deeper level just what his plan was for us because that's what we could control. And so we spent all our effort doing that. Were we weak? Yeah, absolutely. I could stand up here and pretend that I wasn't weak, but as I said last week, that God can't heal what you pretend to be, right? God can't bless what you pretend to be. God can't fix what you pretend to be. But in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. And on day seven, he began to open that up to me, that my strength is made perfect in your weakness, something I've always known, but I've never understood on that level because I've never been so weak. But at the same time, I've never felt so strong because his strength was truly perfected in my weakness. I don't want to make it seem in any way that what we went through was the worst thing in the world. I don't want to make it seem like people that have battled for years and years and years that I have any understanding of what you're going through. I don't want to make light of this. But I believe that God has shown principles that you can take to your situation, whatever that is, and you can be successful in that situation. What can you control? What can you control? I can control this. I can control what I dwell on. I can control what my perspective is. And so the first thing that we need to do when we reach crisis mode, I didn't finish the story, I don't think, but the reason we call this who said was when time had passed and we get the call from the doctor that says, 
the results from your PET scanner in. And we had already kind of read over them, and since, you know, Tiffany's watched Grey's Anatomy, and I used to watch House a long time ago, we thought we really probably understood them to a really deep degree. Um, and so we, we kind of thought we understood them. We Googled, like, every word. Every, we were laying in bed, and she goes, I just got my results, and we're going through it, and she says, okay, let me Google this. Okay, and she doesn't even ask me. She doesn't even ask me to Google it because I couldn't. I, how, how do you spell that? I don't know. I, I didn't see that on house. I don't know. So, um, but we thought we understood, but we still had some questions. So the doctor says, well, there's no, uh, there's no signs of cancer in the colon, and there's none, and no signs of cancer in the liver, and there's no signs of cancer here, and there's no signs of cancer here. They're non-glucose avid, meaning they didn't, uh, I, hold on, I'm getting ready to teach y'all medical. You ready? It means that they didn't, what, absorb the glucose. Is that right? When they, at a faster, see, yeah, there you go. What did you say? Should you say it on the microphone because I'm dumb? Hold on. I can't even repeat what you said. For all of you medical majors, this is all you need right here. You ready to graduate? You ready? Go. It just means that they weren't um, absorbing it faster than anything else. They were absorbing glucose at a normal rate because a cancerous growth would consume it much faster. Uh, there you go. It consumes more energy, more glucose, things like that. Yep. Thank you, George Clooney. <laughs> what movie, what show was he on? What medical show? ER, they watch Grays, and my only question on Grays every week is, did George Clooney die? Because I don't know anything else about anything, but I guess he's not in that one. I don't know. The, him and House are the only doctors I know. So, um, and my sister, I know her. She's not even close to House, because House was, that was crazy. That was a good doctor right there. But... As the doctor comes and says, these, these are, 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 there's no signs of cancer, there's no signs of cancer. So we still had a question. We thought that, that there were tumors, maybe just the tumors weren't cancerous. Now, I don't know how you can have that many all over the place, and they'd not be, but I don't know anything about it. So Tiffany said, no, we don't fully understand. So are you saying that the, the tumors are not cancerous? And the doctor said, who said you had tumors? Who said that there were tumors? Tiffany said, well, your office did. <laughs> two tests did. Two different tests said that there were tumors, and then there were more tumors. And he said, well, I don't know. She said, well, I don't know. I'm just looking at your chart right here, and it wasn't our doctor. It was another one in the office. She said, I don't know, I, I, I'm just looking at your chart right here, and according to this test, there are no tumors, there's no cancer, there's no nothing. Amen? <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Who said? Who said that you were struggling? Who said that you were beaten down? Who said that you were broken? Who said that you weren't going to come out of this? Who said? God didn't say. He said you're more than a conqueror through him. Amen? Praise God. He said it is finished. He said that through my death, burial, and resurrection that salvation has come to you. Amen? 
Praise God. So we've got to control our part. The first step is living from the inside out. And as I said before, I believe that speaking with other tongues and the baptism with the Holy Spirit, which you can receive today, is the vital piece to living from the inside out. Number two, and the meat of today's message, <laughs> that clock says five minutes. That's funny. Part two, the second key to living from the inside out, the second key to overcoming in crisis mode is we have got to address every thought. We have to address every thought. There's not one thought that comes into your mind that is not addressed. It's very important, and I, I, I want to say this, and for those of you who have been around, I would say, faith teaching, or those of you who have been around for a long time, and, and I've been around this message for my entire life, this message of faith, I live by it. But for those of us that have been around this message of faith for a very long time, there's this, and maybe you don't get this, but, but I, I feel like, and I have for a long time, that there's this idea or there's this, this stigma that if we're honest about our problem, that we're not in faith. And five or six years ago, I began to reject that idea because I just don't think that God has called us to be fake. And I know that I'm, I'm being very strong in this, but I just don't believe that. Now, I am absolutely not trying to point out any kind of an error in anything that anybody's taught. And, and I, I will say this, that as I begin to deconstruct what I always thought and then reconstruct it, I heard it differently. But I can't think that I'm the only one that heard it that way. I can't think that I'm the only one that had those ideas and those thoughts. But as I begin to go back and listen to those things that I'd always been taught, I don't think that's what they were saying at all. I don't think that, that some of the, the teachers that I grew up on, I don't think that that's what they were trying to tell me. But it's the idea that I had that I, ha I wasn't allowed to say when I had doubts. I wasn't allowed to say because if you have doubts, you shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord is what James says. So I wasn't allowed to have doubts. But what's the difference in me having a doubt in my mind and saying it? What's the difference? Well, what we were what I had always thought, that if I say it, then I created it. But if I just keep it in here, then it's kind of like locked away. And it's not going to affect me too much. I don't believe that's true either. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As we begin to dwell on something, then that's eventually going to come out. And so every thought has to be addressed. Every thought has to be taken captive. Every thought needs a place to go. Where is that thought going to go? And so I believe this with everything that I have, that if you're going to be successful in getting through crisis, you have to be honest with yourself. If you have doubts, you be honest about your doubts, but don't just stay right there because as we sang today, he loves you too much to keep you there. 
Amen? So you be honest about those doubts and you address those doubts and you overcome those doubts. Amen? If you have fear, we've suppressed fear because in church we can't talk about fear, right? No, no, no. I want you to be honest about your fear. But I not only want you to be honest about it, I want you to be proactive about it. That, yes, I'm fearful right now, but I'm not going to stay here fearful. I'm going to overcome that fear because love is perfected in me and perfect love drives out fear. Amen? Praise God. I'm not going to stay right here. But you have to be honest about what's going on so that you can address it, so that you can overcome it. And so get you a circle, but keep your circle small. Your social media account is not your small circle. All right? And I don't care what those people have to say on there. And some of them are y'all. All right? Just let me be honest. But I'm going to keep my circle small. And I'm going to talk to people that are going to point me back in the right direction. I'm going to talk to people that I can be honest with and I can say, man, I am scared to death right now. I am scared to death right now. And I don't know what I'm going to do because I cannot, I can't do this. I can't deal. I can't handle it. And I'm going to talk to people that are going to point me back in the right direction. And my circle is going to be small. And I'm going to address those issues. And I'm going to grow because I'm addressing those issues. Ultimately, I don't need a whole bunch of man's advice. Ultimately, I need what God said. What did God say? What did God say? I need people that are just going to sit on the back porch and cry with us and then pray for us. Right? I need people that are going to just reach out and hold our hand and say, we're here for whatever you need, and we're going to get through it because of Christ in us. I need people that are going to text a scripture. What's funny is some of you guys didn't even know what was going on, and you were texting me scriptures that pertained. Isn't that cool? As I say all the time, you don't have to be nosy about somebody's situation in order to minister to them, Right? Isn't God big enough for that? My God's big enough for that. My God's big enough for you to send me something that I need. You didn't even know that I needed or why you even sent it. But God knew it all. And he orchestrated it all. And he held it all together. Because it's all part of his plan. Because it's all part of his purpose. And so we need to address every thought. You need to keep your circle small, but you need to be honest about what you're going through. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. I don't know if we're going to get it up here or not, but it's okay either way. Hebrews chapter 4, 14, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who is passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we don't have a high priest that can't sympathize with our weakness, but he was in all points tempted. You guys say tempted. Say it again, tempted. He was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. 
He says, so let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Just the fact that it says the throne of grace qualifies you to go, right? Let us go boldly to the throne of grace that I'm qualified to go to. Let's go there that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It says there that Jesus was tempted in all points like we are. Now, for me, and really I would say up until a month or so ago, that I viewed this word tempted as I'm tempted to sin. Now, in its simplest form, yes, that's true. And we're going to break this out today quickly. But he says that Jesus was tempted and did not sin. But this word tempted, it means to go beyond what is reasonable to pierce your purpose through scrutinizing and bringing adversity. And so who is the tempter? Satan is the tempter, right? So tempted doesn't necessarily mean you're being ugly to me and I'm tempted to knock you out right now, right? Tempted doesn't necessarily mean I'm tempted to steal this thing or I'm tempted to tell my boss off or I'm tempted to cheat on my wife or I'm tempted to fill in the blank. Yes, all those things are temptation. But that's just scratching the surface, just this much of what tempted actually means. Because to be tempted... It's to go beyond what is reasonable to pierce through your purpose by scrutinizing you and bringing adversity. See, the thing that the enemy wants more than anything, why does he want you to do those things? Why does he want you to go tell your boss off? Why are you tempted to do that? Because it derails your purpose. Why are you tempted to go punch out somebody? Why are you tempted to go and to, to, to cheat on your wife? Why are you tempted to, to do these things? Why are, does that temptation come? That temptation comes because the enemy wants nothing more than to derail the purpose that God has you on this planet for. God has you here for a purpose that's far bigger than you. And so for us, the temptation was to abandon the report of God and to walk in fear. Because what did that do to us? It derailed us from our purpose. We were here, we're here for a purpose. We're here for a reason. What was Jesus tempted of in the wilderness? To let go of his purpose. It wasn't just about turning stones into bread. It wasn't just because he was hungry. Yeah, he was hungry. But it wasn't just about that. What was it about? It was about derailing him from his purpose. Was he performing a miracle because God had moved on him and there was a specific time and a specific purpose for this miracle? No, no. It was like a magic show. Why was Jesus tempted to bow down and to worship Satan? Because he was shown all the kingdoms of the world, and this was a way that he could accomplish that, but that wasn't purpose. 
It pierced through and began to punch holes in his purpose. But just being tempted is not where the derailment happens. It's when you act upon that temptation when the derailment happens. It's when you begin to walk in that thought, that idea, that suggestion that the enemy has brought to you. When you begin to walk in that and that idea has given birth in your heart and it consumes you, then you've given in to the temptation and the enemy has won because you're derailed from your purpose because I'm not accomplishing what God told me to accomplish. He told me to walk in love. How can I walk in love if I'm telling everybody off? How can I walk in love if my fuse is this short? So am I tempted to lose my cool? Yeah, I'm tempted to lose my cool, but what do I do? I have a choice at that moment. I have a purpose to walk in love, or I can lose my cool, and I can be derailed from my purpose. I can get off track. So he's going to punch a hole in your purpose. I've got this hole. I want to walk in love, and it's going to happen to you today. Because you're like, I'm going to walk in love because that's what God's told me to do. And I'm going to walk outside. I love this world so much. And I'm going to get in my car and somebody's going to cut me off. And I'm going to roll down my window. And I'm going to tell them some words. And I'm going to show them which finger is my favorite. (laughs) Right? So what did you do for that part? You did not walk in love in that situation. Not only did you not walk in love, but I guarantee you if that situation, if a situation comes up later that day where you have an opportunity to share the love of Jesus with that person, how's that going to go for you? Right? So is that what I'm supposed to do? No. It's not. Because I have a purpose here. And my purpose is the same as Jesus' purpose, to seek and save that which is lost. I can't do that if I'm sick, right? I can't do that if I'm always worried and I'm not going to have enough money to pay my bills. I'm supposed to bring all the tithe into the storehouse, but I can't because I'm too focused on the fact that I don't have enough. I mean, we're getting real right here. So what are you tempted? When that hole gets poked in your purpose... What are you going to do? Are you going to let it deflate your purpose? Or are you going to patch it up and say, no, no, I'm, I'm going to take that thought captive. I'm going to take that thought captive because that doesn't line up with my purpose. I would submit to you that any temptation you face is simply an effort to pull you away from your purpose. Now, let's define sin. Sin just simply means falling short of what God's standard is. Falling short of what God's standard is. As Satan brings you those thoughts that are going to pull you away from purpose, see God's plan for you has already been written. God's plan for you is for your success. It's for your future. And anything that the enemy brings against you to tempt you is to pull you away from that. So let me ask you this. Based on that, is sin... Just a list of rules of do this and don't do this, and if you do this, then you're in sin? Or is it if you're allowing thoughts and ideas that you're acting on to pull you away from purpose, are you in sin? I would say 
according to the scripture, that if you're not on a road to the purpose that God has given you because you've allowed the enemy's ideas to take you off of that road, then you're not living up to God's standard and you're in sin. Now, I'm coming straight today and I'm not trying to to make you feel bad because I'm gonna tell you how to control those thoughts today and then next week I'm gonna tell you how to stay on purpose because we can. It says Jesus was tempted in all points as we are, but he didn't sin. He didn't get derailed from his purpose. For us to walk in fear and to freak out would not have been purpose. For us to abandon everything, I told you last week, that first Wednesday night where we're supposed to do youth service, man, I did not want to do youth service. I did not want to go. And it would have been perfectly acceptable for us to call my dad and just say, you know what? We're going to just deal with some stuff tonight. And nobody would have said a word about it. It would have been fine. But we would have been given a purpose. We couldn't do that. We couldn't afford to do that. You need to keep your eyes focused on purpose. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except such that is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you. I want you to pay very, very close attention because as a sidebar, this is one of, if not the most misquoted, misinterpreted, misrepresented scripture in the entire Bible. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted. Say it again, tempted. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able So if you've ever said or you've ever heard, and I know you have, either said or heard or both, well, God won't put me through more than I can handle. The Bible never says that. It says this, that God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted. First of all, it never says God puts you through anything at all. Secondly, it's not adversity. He said he's not going to allow thoughts to come to you that are attempting to derail you from your purpose that are more than you can overcome, right? I'm not going to allow the thoughts to be so heavy that you can't overcome them. I hear people that they've got some kind of sickness or they're going through some kind of relationship struggle or financial struggle, and they're like, well, God said he's not going to put us through more than we can bear. No, he didn't. He didn't say that, and he's not putting you through anything, but he said that you're not going to be tempted beyond what you're able to, to, to handle. He said, but with the temptation, he will also make a way of escape. With that temptation, he's going to bring you an answer. What was the answer? Jesus was the answer. So he's not going to allow your purpose to be so attacked that you can't overcome it. So anything that you're facing right now, you can take comfort in the fact that you can overcome it because he made a way of escape. And you can't overcome it. Maybe you don't think you can right now. It's all right. We're going to eat it like we eat an elephant. We're going to do it one bite at a time. 
right? We're going to start tearing down strongholds one bite at a time. He says that you may be able to bear it. That you may be able to bear it. He's given you the ability to have an answer. So I'm going to close with this. And you're like, we haven't even got to the meat. That's all right. The closing is going to be like 15 minutes, and uh, this is all of it, all right? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to bring it up. Chapter 10, verse 3, I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. Several years ago, uh, gosh, 13 years ago or so, I spent about a month, I was working construction, and I spent about a month on a job. I worked with a crew, but I was working by myself for about a month. I was doing tile in this house, and every day I knew my job. I went to work. I did my job, and we knocked out a little bit more. I knocked out a little bit more. It was long. And during that month, I found a CD series. I know a lot of y'all don't even know what those are, little round things that it was like burned. And I found a CD series by Pastor Charles Neiman from El Paso, Abundant Living Faith Center in El Paso. And it, it was, a, I think it was an eight-part series. And he was talking about the battle that's in your mind. And I, I don't remember what the series was called. Exactly. But he began to unfold this scripture like I had never seen it before. And there's a few moments in my life, and maybe you have those as well, that were kind of spiritual turning points for you. And this series was a spiritual turning point for me. So I'm just going to read this, and you're probably reading ahead, and that's okay, I guess. But it says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled." That scripture right there to bring every thought into captivity and to cast down arguments. And this is what I got out of that eight-part series was that every thought that came into my mind, if it exalted itself against who I know God to be, then I needed to cast that thought down and bring it to submission to Christ. So in a nutshell, that's eight messages, okay? And there were a lot more. There was a lot more stuff in that. Until this, that was my understanding of this passage. Again, I'm sure there was a whole lot more in those eight messages. But until six weeks ago, that was my understanding, and it revolutionized the way that I live my life. But I'm going to rip this apart and break it down in respect to crisis mode and how do we deal with thoughts that come. So it starts out and it says, for though we walk or live in the flesh, we do not war according to 
the flesh. First of all, I want to ask you, when you're in crisis, what are you praying for? What are you praying for? And if we were to be honest, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, and I'm not going to ask you to testify about it, but if we were to be honest, most of the time, if we're sick and we're in crisis mode, we're praying for healing, right? Most of the time, if we're broke and we're in crisis mode, we're praying for provision. Most of the time, if we're broken and we're hurt because of a relationship or what somebody did, we're praying for restoration and for God to heal our heart, right? Those are the things that we're praying for. And then you can fill in the blank with whatever else you might be facing. Those are the things. But look, that's not what he says to do. I want to ask you this question. If Jesus died on the cross and his body was broken for our healing 2,000 years ago, and if Jesus said it is finished, then do we need to ask God for healing? Does the scripture ever tell us to ask God for healing? I challenge you to find somewhere in the scripture where it says, ask God for healing. It says that they received their healing, But after Jesus died and rose again, we don't have to ask God for healing. Healing is ours. So what do we pray? What are you praying for in crisis mode? It says, for though we live in the flesh, we do not wage a war. We don't send armies out to battle the flesh. Sickness is in the flesh. Financial struggles are in the flesh. Hurt, emotions, it's in the flesh. It says though we, we walk in the flesh, we live in the flesh, we feel in the, fle- in the flesh, we, we experience the effects of the flesh, we don't war or send armies out to battle things that are in the flesh. Because the weapons of our warfare are not temporary. See, this flesh is temporary, but the weapons that we have, they're not temporary. But those weapons are powerful and possible. It says mighty. That word mighty means powerful and possible. It says that the weapons of our warfare are not temporary, but they are powerful and possible in God to pull down things that we have latched a hold of that have pierced our purpose and tempted us and driven us away from what God has called us to do on this earth. So the weapons that we fight with are not temporary, but they're powerful and possible to pull down things that we've been holding on to for a long time. Fear. Brokenness. Hurt. And then he says, casting down arguments. Casting down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. When we cast down arguments, we violently remove all reasoning with the flesh. We viol- I don't have to reason with the flesh. I can't control that anyway. I, I don't have, when we're going through this, I don't have to reason with the flesh. I don't have to reason. That's works, right? Based on what I've done in my life, I should be receiving this. 
I don't have to reason with my flesh. What I need to do is I need to be casting down arguments or violently removing all reasoning with my flesh that, well, if I do this, then this will happen. Well, maybe fear is going to come and I need to, to deal with it this way or that way. No, because I'm not fighting a temporary battle here. I'm fighting an eternal battle and there is freedom for me in Christ it's where I can move past that temporary issue. So what am I praying for? I'm not praying and begging God for healing. What am I praying? God, live through me so that I can have a clear mind, so that I can focus on what you have done for me. God, keep me in an attitude of thanksgiving of what you have done for me, what you have already provided for me. Keep me in that attitude. That's faith, guys. That's faith. That's faith that is the substance of things that we expected or hoped for. That is faith that brings evidence to the things that we haven't seen yet because I'm living from the inside out and I'm taking those thoughts and addressing them. Every high thing that exalts itself, I love that, that exalts itself. See, those thoughts, if you just leave them alone, they're going to exalt themselves. You don't have to exalt them. They'll exalt themselves. Every high thing that exalts itself against the report. Fear will always try to elevate itself above faith. It will always try. But what do I do? I violently remove. I'm not going to go in there like a sissy. I'm not going to go in there and ask politely. I'm going to violently remove everything that's trying to exalt itself, that's trying to raise itself up above faith. I'm not going to let it do it. I'm going to be active, and I'm going to bring every, say every. I'm going to bring every thought, every thought. I was walking around in Dick's Sporting Goods whenever Tiffany was at her PET scan. And I was meditating on this scripture and about every, every other thought, it was like the, the opposite ends of the spectrum, right? It was like the, the whole like angel and devil on your shoulders. So I'm walking around through Dick's Sporting Goods and I'm saying, I'm bringing every thought captive. There's not going to be any thoughts that aren't addressed. And then Brooklyn says, I'm going to look for some shoes. Now, she's about the most independent, like, teenager as of today. Today's her birthday. She's about the most independent person I know. And when she says she's going to look for shoes, she doesn't need my help. She's going to look for shoes. She's going to pick out the ones she wants. She has money on her card. She's going to buy them. Fair enough. I was just the Uber driver. That's all I am. So we go in there, and she said, I'm going to shop for some shoes. So I go, I'm walking into Dick's, and I'm thinking, let's take every thought captive. I'm going to bring it to the obedience of Christ. Hey, Dad, I'm going to go look at some shoes. You know you're going to have to help her shop for shoes for the rest of your life, right? You know that back-to-school shopping is going to be all on you because you're not going to have any help anymore, right? That's what's going through my mind. Connor needs some shorts. Well, let's go look at some shorts. I better get used to it because I guess I'm going to be picking out the shorts from now on. That's what's going through my mind. But I'm going to take every thought captive, so what do I do? I begin to address 
that thought. Because I made a decision that that's what I'm going to do. I begin to address that thought. I'm bringing every thought, every fear that's trying to exalt itself above faith because my purpose is in front of me that Tiffany and I said I do forever and ever and we're going to raise our family together. That's part of purpose. And then there was a report that came in and tempted me to abandon that purpose and to walk in fear. And if I were to do that, then I'm walking in sin because that's less than God's standard for me. And so I was tempted, but I said, no, I'm going to bring that thought into captivity. How did I do that? It's not just because I'm so strong-willed. No, I brought it into captivity because I was walking around Dick's Sporting Goods praying in the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, it's not weird, guys. I didn't have to walk up and somebody says, how you doing? Right? I didn't have to do that. I'm doing good, but I'm still praying in the Spirit. Right? It didn't have to be weird. It didn't have to be Chris. I'm building myself up this whole time. And why is every thought captive? This is crazy. Blow your mind. You ready? Mind blown. Ready? You bring every thought into the captivity of the obedience of Christ. Every thought must acknowledge that Christ obeyed. Every thought must acknowledge that Christ obeyed. So when that thought of fear came, that thought was forced to acknowledge the fact that Christ obeyed. He went to the cross. He died for me. And because Christ obeyed, he rose again by the goodness of God. And because Christ obeyed, then that thought has no standing because Christ obeyed. Amen? When this says, bring every thought into the obedience of Christ, what it's saying is every single thought must acknowledge the fact that it has no standing anymore because Christ obeyed. And that is the trump card. That's the ultimate. He said it's finished. And if he said it's finished, then it's finished. And so you can try and make me think that it's not finished. That's okay. But I am not being tempted beyond what I can bear because Christ obeyed. Right? Being ready to punish all disobedience when I begin to understand that Christ obeyed. When I begin to understand that when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying, God, If there's any other way, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will. When I began to have an understanding that Christ had a choice too, he was tempted. He was tempted in that garden to not go to the cross, but he wasn't gonna let anything pierce his purpose. And because he did that, I'm not going to let anything pierce my purpose. What am I here on this earth to do? Seeking to save that which is lost. What am I on this earth to do? I've got very specific things that God has lined out for me. Do you have a purpose? Do you have a direction? What makes you get up in the morning? Are you married? If you're married, it's part of your purpose. Are you single? Has God given you a direction for your life? As far as, and I, don't, I said that in a very bad way, 
That's not how I meant it. But are you single and do you have a desire to be married? And if you do, that's a purpose. I'm not saying you wake up every day, got to get married, got to get married. There's mail services for that and all kinds of things. We could get on something totally different, but let me just say this. If you're, if you're single and your objective is to get married, what you need to do is focus on your purpose, and your purpose is preparing yourself for that person. Again, what can you control? What can you control? You can't control meeting the right person. That's God's deal. You can control getting yourself ready. You get yourself ready, he'll take care of the other part. That was a good message right there. <laughs> I'm here to tell you that you need to address every thought. You can't afford to let one thought go. Can't afford it. We need to address every thought and make it acknowledge that Christ obeyed. If we make it acknowledge that Christ obeyed, then you keep yourself in line with purpose. Maybe you would say, Pastor Jason, I, I don't really know what I'm here for. I just kind of float through life. You're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. That purpose is bigger than you, and you can't accomplish it on your own. I promise you that. I know that. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to, to be a missionary or to be a full-time preacher. Or to, it's not what it means. God's plan is so big. Maybe your purpose is to impact people around you by being positive. Maybe your purpose, we, we prayed for teachers a couple of weeks ago and God spoke a word. And I believe that there is a situation, there are situations arising that are literally life and death, and what you speak into the life of a, a young person is, is literally life and death. And I say that today to bring that to your remembrance, too, because I, I, man, I felt the power of God strong on a lot of occasions in my life, and that was a stronger, stronger than I've ever felt. You want to talk about purpose? That one conversation that you have, that's purpose. It's purpose. You want to talk about purpose, that one handshake that you give, that one hug that you give, that person that you pay for their lunch. That's purpose. What do you live for? Next week, we're going to talk about vision, the importance of vision, the importance of purpose. I hope that you're getting something out of this. We do not have to go through crisis on our own but he's made a way for us to where we can overcome amen praise God praise God I'm going to ask you today that if you don't know Jesus I'm going to ask you to come and meet him See, Jesus is 
so much more than a, a figurehead. He's a personal Savior. He walks with us through the toughest times in life. The Bible says that He's our hope and He's our joy, He's our strength. He's our righteousness, meaning our position with God is secured because of him. He's our health, our healing. He's our direction. He's our wisdom. And we could go on and on and on. The fact of the matter is that God loved you so much that he couldn't stand to be apart from you, and so he sent Jesus to be a way that you could be washed clean from all the things that you've done wrong, and you could do as we read today and come boldly into the throne room of Almighty God. See, and the thing about it is, that when I was very, very young, I received Jesus as my Savior. I said, Jesus, for the rest of my life, the way I want to do it is I want to walk the way you want me to walk, not the way that I want to walk. Because I believe that your plan is better for me than my plan. Now, when I did that, I don't think I had, well, I know I didn't. I was very young. I didn't have a firm understanding of what that was. But I know this, that during the course of my life, I've had many opportunities to say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the other way. But every single time, I have a deeper understanding of just how much his love carries me and just how great his love is for me. So today, we come to a point where we say, I could keep going my own way, or I could ask for some help. I could keep trying to do this on my own, or I could say, there's got to be a better way. So if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus into your life, the scripture tells us how to do it. And sometimes we think, man, well, I need to be, I need to get this right in my life or I need to get that right in my life. I need to do this or that. Well, I'm here to tell you that it's just simply not true. Jesus didn't extend this offer to you because you're perfect. He extended it to you because he's perfect. And so if you're here today and you've never received him, scripture tells us this, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and that if we believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead, that we'll be saved.
What we're saying there is we're saying that Jesus, I cannot do it on my own, but your way is better than mine, so I give you permission to direct my life, and I'm going to follow you. I'm making that decision today. My question would be, what do you have to lose? Maybe you're standing here today and you say, well, my, my life's just been, it's been a perfect picture of my whole life. It's, a, it's just, it's like a movie. My life's been just like a, it's like a 50s sitcom in my house all the time. I bet they, they probably based Leave It to Beaver off of my family. But I would bet that that's not the case. I would bet that you have challenges and struggles, just like we all do, and you need some help. So I'm gonna lead you in a prayer today. And here at Word of Life, we're a family. And so nobody prays by themselves. We pray all together. And not only are we a family here in this room, we're a family all over the world because we're broadcasting online today with literally tens of thousands of people that are watching us and joining with us, and they're our extended family. So I'm going to ask you today, whether you're sitting in front of a computer or a phone or a tablet or a TV or in a chair in this room, that we join together with family that may not have asked Jesus to come into their life, and we all pray together as family. So if you would, say this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you died for me, and I believe that you rose again. And I ask you to come into my life to help me and to change me. And I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Second thing I'm going to ask real fast today, if you've never received the baptism with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, we talked about it extensively the last two weeks. It was given to all Christians. And if you want to receive that today, we don't have to make a big production about it. It doesn't have to be long and drawn out. Can be quick. We just ask God for it. He gives it to us. Awesome. So if you've never received the baptism with the Holy Spirit and you want to, I want to invite you. And I said this last week. I normally don't open up the front. We just don't do that a lot, but we're not opposed to it. And I just I want to take a second and pray for you. Again, it's not going to be long, I promise. If you want to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit, I'm not trying to make you feel weird. I just want to, to pray with you personally today. Anybody at all? You want to receive that gift today? It's here for you if you want to receive it. As I said last week, too, you do not have to have me pray with you. When you're at home, by yourself, whatever, driving the car, it doesn't matter. If you want to receive that gift, just ask God for it. Say, God, this, 
Holy Spirit, baptism with the Holy Spirit. I want to receive that today. God, will you fill me with your Holy Spirit? When you do, when you ask, he's going to do it. Just like that. And then what I want to encourage you to do is just begin to pray and give thanks. And as you give thanks, then you're yielding your tongue to God. And then you're going to think of some words that you've never said before. And it's okay. Maybe they sound weird. It's cool. It's, it's exactly what is supposed to happen because God's praying through you. And so as you speak out those words, what I can tell you is you're going to begin to feel stronger. You're going to begin to feel peace where you didn't have peace before because you're living from the inside out. Last thing, super fast. If you're going through anything in your life today, struggling in any area of life, I want to pray for you. I don't need you to come up here. I don't need you to tell me a bunch of stuff about it, anything like that. Nobody's going to ask you any questions. Maybe it's very personal. It's okay. We're all family in here. The family doesn't have to know everything about each other, right? Maybe your family thinks they do, but they don't. So if you're going through something in life, I just want you to lift up your hand. We're going to pray for you today. Just lift up your hand. Stay where you're at, but lift up your hand. Father God, I pray for these that are struggling in life. And you guys pray with me. Father, I pray for these that have, have some sort of struggle. Maybe it's, it's financial. Maybe it's, it's emotional. Maybe they're having problems with their kids. Maybe they're having problems in their relationship. Or maybe it's physical. God, I thank you that you are here today leading us and guiding us and have provided everything that we need in Christ. And so my prayer today is that Christ be revealed in a stronger way in the middle of this crisis, knowing that it is finished. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for coming today. Gosh, we're long. I'm so sorry about that, but I hope that it was worth it to you. I will see you guys on Sunday next week, all right? Have a great day. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love.